Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company, a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin. They provide coffee around the world. The Packerland Breakfast Blend will be going on sale to be $12 a bag. While you're there, how about you pick up a Reporting is Eligible t-shirt or sweatshirt? And make sure you use RAE at checkout to save yourself some money. That's RAE at checkout. Season 3, Episode 1 of Reporting as Eligible. Um, it is the week before our first preseason game against the Houston Texans, one of just the worst franchises in the history of sports as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a bit. But um, we're riding in on a high note here. Um, the Bucks are NBA champions. And we don't have that every day. The Brewers are just kill- destroying everybody in their path. One of the best teams in baseball. Um, have a, an MVP candidate, a Cy Young candidate. Um and uh, just a great story all around. And the Packers, uh, probably the worst story in, in the league, but we get one more season here with the MVP, or at least one more season, maybe more. Um, so we got a lot to talk about. Football starting up soon. I'm generally happy around Wisconsin. And um, uh, just because we're not doing the matchstick right now. Matt's not here. His daughter had a bit of a meltdown, and maybe he'll join later. Maybe he won't. But as always, in, in urban Wauwatosa with a tree down in his front yard... Oh, man. Yes, this is J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Indeed, some high-powered winds came through. They came right to my house and uh, knocked the tree uh, the tree right in front of our house into the street where we normally park our car, but not tonight. Not tonight. We were in the driveway, so uh, so we got we got a break on that one, and uh, so far, the uh, the rest of the tree is not in our house, which is, uh, which is hopefully a permanent situation as opposed to the temporary <laughs> order of things, but... Uh, but the city's here. They're working on it. So uh, it's amazing how fast they move. The The fire department was here immediately. Then they had to leave because there's, you know, other things, yeah. other things to worry about in a big storm. And now, now they're back. It's impressive. I, I'm, I'm, it's very delightful. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Uh, we have the same weather rolling through here right now, and it's doing quite a bit of damage. And hopefully we actually get through this with the Internet intact. Uh, knock on wood, it's been good so far. Um, but I should also introduce myself because I always forget. Um, Paul Noonan. <laughs> I, I host this thing. I write for Acme Packing Company. Uh, we're writing for the Shepherd Express again, too, once football season actually rolls around. Uh, and I also, of course, do the Milwaukee's Tailgate podcast, which just se- which, where we just se- uh, celebrated our 200th episode. And so, go Oh, give that was that. a great episode. I loved it. Loved I, th- it. I thought it went really well. It's hard to do a podcast with five people. And uh, I think that one went much better than it had any right to. Um, a good blend with, uh, I think we had a good balance of extra sarcastic people and people with baseball knowledge. So worked really it, yeah, it was really great uh, and i actually had a sixth person there's a little postscript with ryan top and brad brad Ford was also on too yes uh I, and you should all listen to that like could it, just people who don't follow the baseball pod brad works for the brewers now so um mm-hmm. he's not allowed to do very much in terms of that <laughs> and it's 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 interesting to hear from him and get some insights into what it's actually like working for a big league team so um go make sure you don't turn it off early listen to the end it was entertaining the whole way through but uh, we are here to talk about football, and um, the, the, the only big story, and that's not true, there's lots of big stories, but the, the big story with the <laughs> Packers has really just been quarterbacks. It's been 
uh, Aaron Rodgers and his whiny offseason and him hanging out with celebrities and hosting Jeopardy and threatening to hold out um, and eventually showing up for camp and everybody w- wondering and worrying if Jordan Love can carry the torch if he doesn't show up. But he's in camp. Um, he is here to do his thing. They reorganized his contract in one of the weirdest ways ever to not an anti-extension, uh, a contract change to make it easier to get rid of him <laughs> after the season is over, which will probably happen. But uh, this is really their last big shot at a title, probably for a while. So um, this is an important season. I, I know that him and Devante tweeted out stupid Michael Jordan comparisons, but it, it kind of true. Uh, the, the only thing that makes it not true is they haven't won Jack um, together, <laughs> un, unlike Jordan and Pippen. Um, but uh, th- this is kind of it because Aaron's probably gone after this. So uh, I've seen a few people tweet that he might be back next year. There's a chance with the contract, but I, I don't, do you think there's any shot that he he comes back? I I know our first one of our questions is like, what would it take to, for him to come back next year? Like, a, a, any thoughts on what that would even entail? My answer is heart attacks. No. So. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the it doesn't look promising, but but you know what? I don't know. I didn't even think he'd be in camp right away. I really, I really didn't. And and not that I thought that he would be out for the season. I thought, I I still believed, and it comes down to faith because who knows what's actually in his head. It's, it's it reminds me of. Like when the Brewers were trying to re-sign Zach Greinke, you know, like everyone thought, oh, he probably likes it here. But but truly, it was, he's such a unique individual. You truly do not know what's in his head. Obviously, he's unhappy. We know that. But it, it's still it was still very difficult to identify what he wanted. And to some degree, it's still a little bit difficult. You know, he's had his say in a very revealing press conference, which really is, is almost unlike anything I can recall seeing in Wisconsin sports, the level of candor that we saw from Aaron Rodgers, where he, he laid it out and, and, you know, didn't leave you with the feeling that things were patched up just that, yeah, I'm here, but I've got some problems. And these are the things I have a problem with. I think someone on the outside could say it's still a little bit confusing. Some of some mixed, mixed signals, like, you know, cause really what he, what he seems to be balking against is the Packers history of how they've treated their veteran players, which being a smart person, you can, that he is, he must know, you know, they, they were right on the vast majority of these, of these calls, you know, when Tom Silverstein laid that out in the journal Sentinel, like, yes. okay, maybe, maybe, maybe two or three of these, you could say, yeah, okay. He's got a point, but of the other 12 that he itemized, uh, he, he must know like that they, they weren't the right players to bring back. And maybe, maybe you disagree with the style in which they were sort of shown, sort of shown, shown the door, but you know, then, then that's a Ted Thompson thing. That's, that's a sort of a previous culture and he hasn't really expressed any dissatisfaction with Ted Thompson granted you know you don't want to, no one speaks ill of, of the dead but right. he's talked about Brian Gutekunst which which you know like there's an opportunity here for the Packers to have a different culture but there's still what Gutekunst did was draft Jordan Love so I still think that's the thing maybe maybe there is still something left where go moving on from Jordan Love would give him that extra layer of satisfaction when they remove the safety net and then that is that is enough for him for, for the Packers in Aaron Rodgers' mind to say, okay, yeah, they are committed to me. They would be willing to keep me here beyond. But I, I just that, that would just be a really stupid thing for the Packers to do. I, I can't <laughs> imagine that they would give him that level of, of control. They've already given him quite a bit. I can, so I, I, I got, don't know. I got one scenario that I think is somewhat plausible. And I think you All actually right. – I think you hit the cause on the head there. I, uh, it was a lot of little things, obviously, like – the, the Jake Kumaro cutting came up, which I'm sure was very minor in the grand scheme of things. Um, but that's a practice squad player. Like he can't, I mean, he no, can't no, no, be doing I know that. he likes him, but like, come on. 
Come on. But I do think Jordan Love was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. That he wasn't even consulted on it. I think a phone call over there, well in advance of it happening. Which, by the way, I don't think they could do because I don't think they were intending to take him. Still to this day, I think they wanted Brendan Ayuk or Justin Jefferson, and um, Ayuk got snatched right in front of him by in a very similar team. So, uh, again, I think a lot of this was just kind of a Shakespearean play of things just not quite working out the way they were supposed to and spiraling into tragedy. But here's how I think it could work out potentially still. If they decide that Jordan Love sucks, um, you know, they go through this preseason, they see him every day in practice, and he's not making progress. You know, they're not going to publicize that fact. But um, if they want to pretend that they want to move on from Jordan Love and go after Rodgers to stick around, they could say, hey, Aaron, uh, we like what you did. We like your commitment. We like what you were willing to do contract-wise. We'll get rid of Jordan if you want to stick around. We'll just get rid of him um, and then trade him for you know uh, whatever you can get for him. It won't be a first, but you know if he's a crappy quarterback, he's a crappy quarterback. It doesn't really matter. And I think that's the one way that might actually happen. Um, and, and you know it's still a very open question as to whether Jordan's any good. And if I, I just hope they don't fall in love with him because he is a high pick. Because I do think over two years, you should be able to tell what the guy's going to be um, just on his practice and his preseason tape. And uh, if they do go that route, they might be able to finagle it. Like, I think getting Randall Cobb was kind of that to some extent. Because Rodgers, what, what we learned in his press conference, he usually makes bad decisions. He's not a good GM. He usually wants to hold on to guys too late. R- Randall Cobb's not bad. He's, he's still pretty useful. He's still pretty good. And I think if, if uh, Rodgers would have said, bring back some terrible player, they might not have done it, and he might not have come back. But I, I think they, the fact that they actually were like, they were like, okay, can we bring him back? Well, yeah, he's all right. We'll get him. He won't cost anything. They're a stupid team. Um, and, and and it worked out. I think that was actually kind of key to getting him back and really played to their favor as like, okay, he actually wanted a useful player. We'll do that. So they'll do that kind of thing if it happens to work in their favor anyway. And that's the one way that I could see this actually happening, is if love just sucks and it makes sense for them to just move on anyway. We also have to remember, we've talked about this before, that even after they drafted Aaron Rodgers, they 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 drafted Brian Brom. You know, like they it's not like they thought they put all their eggs in one person's basket. They put their eggs in the basket of there will be life after Brett Favre. We have to plan for that. I think it stands to reason that they will absolutely draft another quarterback in the next draft. I mean, they you know, if Aaron Rodgers moves on, they'll have to, right? Like yeah. they'll have to they better have somebody there. Or yeah, they be, better. Or it'll be Andy but Dalton they, coming over and nobody wants that. Oh, what franchise would possibly want that? But, uh, you know, they, I think they would have done it anyway. Like, they, they, they're going to hedge. They're going to hedge on this. That That's just, that's the MO of this sort of Packers culture. They're not, not going to fall in love with, fall in love with the, with just Jordan Love here. So that, that sort of lends credence to the idea that, you know, maybe they, they would move on because this isn't, this isn't necessarily their guaranteed endpoint. And, and, you know, and I think you'll talk a little more about this, but, there's plenty of detail, plenty of data out there to suggest that the scheme that that Matt LaFleur runs works fine with quarterbacks that aren't special. You know, Ryan Tannehill, or or I guess you know that that might be not even the best example, but like guys out there have had success. You know, the 49ers have had success without true top flight quarterback talents in recent years, and that's because this scheme is effective. And so they don't need the next guy to be truly special. Now that could that could work a couple ways. It could say, well, Jordan Love's been here for two years now. This will be his third year. We're not going to just cut bait on him. He knows the system, or you know, we, we we'd be willing to move on because we know the next guy doesn't have to be, you know, the the end all be all. Right. He just has to fit in the system. So yeah, two more years of Aaron Rodgers, that's fine. 
we'll get the next guy in and he'll be he'll be ready and he can he can even be mediocre but we'll have him up to speed by then right i think one of the problems with love is he's he does have a high ceiling he's he's a good toolsy player he's got a great arm he's very fast he's very agile um but he is a high ceiling low floor guy and the one thing that they can't have out of the next quarterback is the low floor hit that's you can't work with that there's only so much you can do with a truly bad quarterback you can't have a low floor for Lafleur. <laughs> right. that was terrible oh my gosh do i wish cut that uh, out cut no, that out of the that's, podcast I, I, that's the title of the episode now so congratulations uh, on I'm that i'm miserable i am just beside myself <laughs> so well, terrible yeah uh, and the, the best way to look at this is i think we should call it the jimmy garoppolo line because i think that's kind of what we're looking at here um it, for those who um haven't been following Acme Packing Company that closely in the offseason, and, you know, it's been the offseason, uh, we now have Justice Mosqueda under our uh, our letterhead, um, our, our banner, and if you haven't been following Justice for a long time, you should. You should follow him on Twitter. He's done great work for a long time, um, but we now have access to some of his, his really cool behind-the-scenes spreadsheet stuff, and one thing that he, he put out on Slack the other day was just uh, a chart that, that he and other people have created on... Um, Throws where your quarterback's not helped. Just that. So taking out things like play action and screens and RPOs, um, things that generate sort of easy yards and easy catches. Um, and I think it's very useful to look at that because I mentioned Garoppolo. He's 24th on that by adjusted yards per attempt. And that's just, this is last three seasons, and Garoppolo's been hurt for a lot of those. But he also played in a Super Bowl in that time, and he was a, he was a top 10 efficient quarterback by DVOA in that time period, which is insane. So um, I think Shanahan's the best at getting the most out of his bad quarterbacks. And Nick Mullins, by the way, is like the worst quarterback in the league of the last three years. And the 49er offense wasn't good last year, but it was better than about eight other offenses, which is absolutely incredible. So um, I think we talk about LaFleur's scheme being very similar. I do think he does generate the same kinds of very easy throws. He schemes a good game. And so if they get a like a mediocre, a mediocre quarterback, I mean, you want better than Garoppolo, but... If you get that, you can win with that. Um, you know, you get a decent defense behind it. You can be competitive with that, but you can't have you can't have garbage. So um, you you do need to be able to bring other quarterbacks in. And I, I, I if they don't draft somebody this year, I'll be a little surprised. Especially if Aaron is truly out the door. I think you'll you'll want competition for for love either way. But uh, um, that that is good. I hope it's their organizational philosophy. I hope they don't fall in love with them. I'm always afraid that they're going to be a bad bad front office and do that kind of thing especially when the old Packer front office didn't do that kind of thing I mean they took Brian Brom they took Matt Flynn in that same draft too they took two quarterbacks in the same draft I'm not sure how yeah. confident they were in Aaron at that time uh, I mean, <laughs> honestly and and Matt Flynn yeah. turned out to be pretty good so um but uh I I I'm not feeling super confident in love for a bunch of did you get to see him play at family night at all yeah a little bit I mean I don't, I don't know what I expect out of the, out of a guy who, you know, who, who didn't really have the off season. I mean, that's really the, the thing that's worked most against the Packers is that the 2020 off season was, was junk, you know, and, and they knew it when they draft. It's not like it was a huge secret when the draft came around that there were like, there were going to be swirling winds of, you know, you didn't, you didn't know what to expect, but like, I, you know, like you said, you should know after two years, what you have with a quarterback. Well, I don't know. I don't know how to gauge 2020 particularly for the guys who didn't get game reps like i i still think it's this massive mystery so i i'm encouraged you know like i'm encouraged by what by what you, you hear the reports from practice and stuff it sounds like he's at least you know he's he's flashing that potential and there's a lot to work on and he's obviously not a finished product yet so 
I don't know. Like I'm still so in this in between without really, I, I still feel like we just don't know enough. I definitely feel like we don't know enough. And um, family night did not help that too much. A lot of his throws were like heavily schemed, super easy throws that, I mean, Tim Boyle would have made him just fine too. Um, he had a, a lot of check downs to the tight ends. He had a couple of rollouts that were just, you know, completely designed one read plays. And he had a few really nice throws too. Um, I, I wrote a piece in Acme Packing Company yesterday. Most of his nice throws were um, when he was hurried up a little bit. Um, he had pressure in his face for a really nice out to Devin Funches. Um, and his he, he threw kind of a dumb bomb to Reggie Bagleton. But it was right on target. It was kind of wobbly, but it had good zip on it. Um, but I think on a lot of the rest of his throws, he was really, really going through the motions of what he'd been coached to do. It was very much like, I'm counting my steps on my drop. I'm setting, I'm looking, I'm squaring, I'm throwing. It was very mechanical. And yeah. I, I don't know what to make of that. Because on the one hand, it, it, it kind of shows me he is being, he's responding to coaching. Like that's definitely him doing what coaches are telling him. And it's nice to see that he is effective, you know, when his clock speeds up a little bit and he has to actually make a play on his own. He did that a couple of times. Um, on the other hand, though, it would be nice to see him be a little bit smoother in in the structure of the offense. And, and you know, it's first game. It's rust. He hasn't played in an actual game in like two years because that offseason was was lost. So you got to cut a lot of slack. And, and I'm definitely overreacting to a very small sample size. He had like 10 throws in that game. But but, uh, yeah. but it would have been nice to see him just a little crisper on what's supposed to be the easy stuff. Um, you know, that's the stuff that you should be able to drill and is just kind of practice, um, you know, speed it up a little bit. So um, a little bit worried, but, you know, until we actually see him, I think I think like the third game will be the really telling one for how Love has actually progressed this season. And when he shakes off some rust and puts it all together and has actual live action coming at him, that'll be a, a good tell. Until then, we know Jack. Yeah, and if the family night game sort of reflects what you we, we read and hear about from camp that he throws a great deep ball. It's, it's impressive. He's going to make yeah. some flash plays, the routine stuff, you know, still working on that. And uh, you know, even he said after the game, his run, the running component, which you're not going to see at a family night scrimmage. You, I don't even know how much you'll see really in the preseason games, you know, as, as they try to keep him healthy and keep him upright and keep him working <laughs> on these things. Uh, that's also part of the game. And, and that was, a, you know, that's a big part of Aaron Rodgers game, or it certainly was, you know, in his younger years. So that's, that's something we're not even going to be able to add to the equation until, until the lights are really, really at their brightest. So that's, you know, that's another thing to keep in mind with him. Yep. Very true. Um, so a long way to go there, but it, I just hope they don't treat it like a given position. So, I, and I don't think they will. I think that they'll, yeah, I don't think they will. I, I just don't think that's their mindset. So, Really quick before we move on from Jordan, because you know we'll we'll learn more later. Um, so Aaron's probably gone after this year. Uh, on his alleged list of places he wanted to be traded were the 49ers, where and they're going to be I think set for a while. They have Trey Lance and their um, their quarterback situation taken care of. Um, the Raiders um, or the Broncos. And I, I just I, I always like to point this out. Like Aaron was fantastic last year. He he was a deserved MVP. He ranked first in DVOA. He ranked second in DYAR, and only because the Packers run kind of a slower scheme, and he just on volume, he didn't throw as many times as some other people did. So a completely deserved MVP season. But before last season, um, he hadn't really been great for quite a while. Um, really, since 2016 is the last time you could really say he was really a true top five quarterback um, in the especially in the post Jordy Nelson era, and. I do think that 
a good chunk of his elite play is playing with Lafleur, uh, and I think he would benefit a lot from playing with an elite play caller. And, and you know that's part of the game. Like Pat Mahomes plays with Andy Reid, who is phenomenal, and you can't really separate them. Like if Pat Mahomes was drafted by the Bears, he might suck. Um, they're not a good team, and it almost happened. But um, he probably wouldn't be terrible. He'd probably be still a top ten guy. So, however. I do just want to point out, if, if Aaron lands in one of those two spots um, with Gruden or Pat Shermer, um, that's not as good. So um, and there's no guarantee he's going he's to land in either of those places. But um, just let's just say he lands with an average coach. Where do you think, where do you think he's going to rank, whatever ranking you want to pick, um, after he's gone? Do you think he's going to win another MVP after he's gone, like chip on his shoulder MVP? Um, or do you think he's going to actually suffer a little bit from not being in this offense? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think I can't imagine him winning another MVP uh, again. And and you, maybe maybe this year, like I could see that happen where he comes back and you know once again wants to show everybody. Yeah. And this is sort of the last dance, and it, it it completely lives up to that you know to that sort of I don't know. It, it seems petty in, in right now, but it might be prescient if they end up winning the championship and then tearing this team down to some degree after the after the season. But um, you know. I, I, I don't I just don't know how how there could be another situation that benefits him and, and I mean like he's not I mean he's not getting younger like you, you can't you can't imagine that he's gonna have the health and, and I don't know will he will he be able he'll, sure that first year he'll want to prove people wrong again how much how much is left in the tank on that like how yeah. much how much chip is remaining on that shoulder he's given everything <laughs> he, he, you know like he, he can't do much better than he did in 2020 he honestly like it's going to be even in 2021. I don't know how you can expect him to achieve that standing again. He's amazing. So I guess we shouldn't hold it, hold anything away from him, but I can't imagine if he goes with John Gruden, that he's going to have all the pieces come together. He's not going to have the personnel to work with. They're not going to be a shoe in to make the playoffs. You know, it's not like the, I don't know, man. Actually, they probably will be a shoe in. I don't know. I think Aaron gets you to the playoffs kind of no matter how bad you are, but, uh, and but, the Raiders are a team on the on the rise. Like that's a team that probably will be a playoff team when when they have a chance to get Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Yeah, their offense is dumb though. So that that's my main thing there. <laughs> it it just is. They they, they have, they're so hit and miss. They have they have drafted some pretty good players. Um, they're not a terrible team by any means, but they're not equal to the sum of their parts most of the time. Uh, and Den, I'm so sick of hearing about Denver um, uh, and about how good their their talent is. Uh, I I saw a good stat t- today, which was um, coming out of the half uh, coming out to start the game or to start the half um, they were the least efficient team in football um, throughout all of last season part of that's their quarterback sucks but their coaching is you know when they have a chance to actually set the offense and set the plays before the game and at the half they're, they're just not doing it um, they're the anti Andy Reeds that who, who is who is the best at that so uh, I am not op- that optimistic on Aaron after he leaves it, unless he happens to land um, in just some super good spot like if you know, there, there could also be offensive coordinators that come out of the woodwork that have developed um, and, you know, are the next Shanahan's and Reed's and whatnot. But, you know, there's not a lot of them out there right now, so it's easy to land in a bad spot. Um, anyway. Let yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, he's, he's just so spectacular. It's, it's so hard to rule anything out. It but, is. You know, the, 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 the biggest thing, and we – oh, go ahead. Go the, chip, ahead. the chip carries him. He, he, does, he does seem to – derive motivation from <laughs> from petty crap so i i am fascinated to know how this season unfolds obviously they're going to be 
some some Aaron Rodgers stands who are very excited about this standing ovations. He's going to get standing ovations just about everywhere he goes, including the road for sure. Yep. Every game this season, you know, and and there's going to be there is going to be an aura of celebration around it. That, but it's complicated, right? Like there's also sort of a a, a toxic thing, you know, with the fact that he he does seem to still have an acrimonious relationship with the Packers and. There are a lot of fans who are Packers first, and that's gonna, you know, that's gonna make it complicated. It, it is, it is still a little bit like the Favre situation. Not exactly because he's here, he's at training camp, and that definitely is gonna win over a lot more people who are purely, whether or not they admit it, because most of them won't, purely about the results. Like, yep. I don't care how they feel. I just want Packers to win games. Like, that's pretty much it. So uh, that's that's gonna still keep him in, in most people's good favor. But there's. This is a complicated farewell tour, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. really weird. I think there's going to be plenty of boos, um, plenty of people who just are with the team and see him as kind of a spoiled brat. Uh, he doesn't do himself any favors with with his personal life either. He he really doesn't. He's, he he could clear up a lot of misunderstandings that he just likes. He seems to like to let linger. I do think he trolls with his t-shirts. I, I don't think he is. You know, when he wears the "I'm offended" t-shirt, I, I don't think he's saying "I'm offended." I think he's saying. I enjoy you people writing about my t-shirts. Yeah, sure thing. Like, Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> I've been in there. So, um, you know, he's he's not an easy person to like. He he really seems to enjoy his celebrity, and um, I I I think there'll be pretty a pretty good split here this year with with him getting a fair amount of booze too. It'll be very interesting to see how fans react to him, um, especially kind of knowing he's on his way out. Um, it, it's it's going to be really really weird. Uh, I would say I can't wait, but that's not true. Uh, <laughs> I do hope he sticks around, but he won't. Um, let's see. I, I guess last thing I, I did want to touch on the um, the other quarterbacks in the division really quick because um, l- let's just assume for a second that Rodgers is gone next year. Um, the rest of the division is a trash fire. So I always like to point out that even when things go bad for the Packers. You can usually count on the rest of the division to pick us up a little bit. Now, the the one the one exception to that is I do think Justin Fields is pretty good. Um, that organization is still dumb, and they're in salary cap hell starting next year, and we'll probably lose Allen Robinson next year. Um, but I, Justin Fields is a better prospect than Jordan Love. He he ticks all of the boxes for things that indicate success more than J- Jordan Love ever did. Um, the best predictor of performance is CPOE. He was very good at that. Um, he was not as good an on-target percentage in college, but he was still very good, um, and he is a phenomenal athlete, one of the best ever to play the position. So um, unless the Bears really screw up his development, which, you know, the, the Bears have never had a good quarterback, so that's very possible, um, he should be okay. He should at least be—he's a much better pros- uh, prospect than Trubisky ever was. He's the best prospect they've ever had. Um, so they might be good. They might have something here. Their stupid tendencies to trade up actually serve them well for once. But, you know, he's still a rookie. He's going to be playing for a kind of depleted team starting next year. But the rest of the division, do you, do you know how much Kirk Cousins makes next year? Because it's great. Uh, I, tell me. Tell me the number. Give it to me. $45 million cap hit next year of guaranteed money. What is, what is Rodgers this year? It's like 38, isn't it? I think he's – um, ah, shoot. He makes 46 next year um, if – if they can escape some of it by June first, thing him and stuff, but um, it's like thirty-seven this year. So Cousins is paid a ton and is untradeable or unmovable. So he'll be the Vikings' quarterback next year, but they can't afford anything else next year. <laughs> um, 
what what can you remind me what did they see in him that they wanted to give him this deal what what did they think i mean they drafted kellen mond so they they definitely don't think it's just you know they're, they're leaving some doors open here yeah, but they like, are. what in the world did they want with him on that deal i think they thought that they were a little bit better on offense than they were because kirk cousins is okay He's just not a guy who should make the highest paid quarterback in the league. I think this is a problem that a lot of teams have where they get kind of a, a top 10-ish guy and they feel like they have to pay him elite money just to keep him around and are afraid. It, it, I, I think it's mainly if you are if you lose Kirk Cousins, what do you replace him with? That's the fear that they had. And most of the time, the answer is going to be somebody worse than Kirk Cousins because most of the league is worse than he is. Uh, I mean, he's he's a stupid, mouth-breathing idiot, but he's he's usually like a top ten-ish quarterback. So that's that's it. They just overpaid for medium to be, you know better than average talent, and this is what they got. Uh, bad job by their yeah. front office, which is usually kind of uh, a, a pretty decent front office for the most part. But they definitely, I mean, they're, they're going to be in a world of hurt next year. That there's nothing. And, and Kellen Mond is a sub Jordan Love prospect. He is. He's not a good prospect. He he is a developmental prospect without the physical tools that Love has, and so I suspect they'll be back in the quarterback market again too. So they're in like they're going to be I think pretty good this year. There's lots of regression to the mean in the Vikings from last year. A lot of one score regression and a lot of other a lot of other football outsider stuff. Like they were comparatively bad on third down last year compared to first and second. Usually that bounces back and it matters a lot. And but uh, they're kind of doomed after that. <laughs> <laughs> well and here here's their problem now and, and you you probably could talk about this too but the, the kirk cousins being so unwilling to get the vaccine and and this doesn't even need to be a broader political thing but the way that the nfl has set this up is it's it's complicated things for teams that that have players who don't get the vaccine and when your leader and quarterback is so actively unwilling to participate in that I don't know how you can lead your team because at the very least you've got half the team that thinks that's stupid, yes. you know, just in general because of how they feel about the vaccine. Maybe it's even less than half. Let's even generously say that more than half of the people on that team side with his, his stance. Okay. But you're still going to have all those people, plenty of people who are like, you know what, just suck it up and get it because we're going to get screwed yeah. if you go down with COVID and we can't work with you to the same, like we can't have the same number of people in the weight room and we can't be around you and, and like near you. And you're the leader. And, and there's a reason why the Vikings have such a low uh, vaccination rate. It's because their leader is actively opposed to it. Absolutely. And, and again, like all politics aside, the way the NFL has set this up is if, if you got, if you don't want to get vaccinated, fine, but it's going to, it's going to cost your team. And he is in this case, putting a personal agenda over the team. Now you could, there's, there's lots of personal agendas in history and some good, some bad. Like I, I don't want to go too far down that road, but I don't know how, you're going to get a united team behind Kirk Cousins right now because he's he's not willing he's not willing to do what it takes to to get this team on the same page. Yeah, and it's not like Kirk Cousins was popular to begin with. He is a, right. sort of historically a bad locker room guy and not a great teammate and this does not help things. Like the putting putting forfeits on the table for your team is not good and uh, I don't, I don't think I have a lot of anti-vaxxer listeners on on this podcast but you can Probably get not, it. No. You can get it twice. Um, Lamar Jackson just did. So um, uh, the, the especially the Delta is different enough from the the former that um, your natural immunity is not sufficient with it. You, if you get a vaccine after you have it once, your immunity is boosted by a, about a factor of three. Just for people that are out there, um, and Kirk Cousins is just um, putting the team in a very bad spot. Um, and by the way, Kellen Mond, it should be mentioned, 
um, is actually the first person to contract it in the quarterback room. So maybe of the same mind as Cousins. So also not great. Um, and, and Mike Zimmer, Jake by the way. Jake Browning is vaccinated. Go to your fourth string guy. He's vaccinated. Yeah, Let do Jake it. Browning run the team. Let Jake Browning run the team. Mike Zimmer is beside himself. He, he clearly wants everybody to get vaccinated and is ticked off that this is disrupting his offseason. So um, they are a chemistry nightmare, even if they, they have a lot of math on their side. But that can also chemistry can dominate math pretty easily if things go south um, early on. So um, th- we'll see how that goes. That I, I'm glad Kirk Cousins is not my team's quarterback, even though you could, you could <laughs> yeah. do worse. Uh, he was a, So they signed him after – I think one, the other reason that they gave him so much money is they first signed him uh, after they had Case Keenum put up a randomly good, like, number one in DVOA season for them just on the strength of their receivers being awesome. And I think that they thought, they it, look, yeah, if we get somebody a little bit better, um, we'll stave off some regression, and we, we can maybe even have a better offense, and that's just not how that works. So, um, And then the Lions are just the Lions. So um, God bless them. They're – yeah. Where Tim Boyle is a legitimate candidate to, you know, be a starter at some point. <laughs> yep. But Go- Jared Goff's just not very good, and that team just has no talent at all. They, they're building an old school. They, they drafted all defensive and offensive linemen. They're going to at least protect their people and get pass rush on your face. But I don't think there's a team with worse skill position players in the league, and they're currently 1-6 to finish with the number one pick next year, which I think is exactly their plan. Um so, right. you know, they'll probably be up for Spencer Rattler or whoever ends up being the number one quarterback in that class, and that's what they're going for. Although I'm still mad at them because they could have picked Fields. So I will – uh, the lines I feel bad for, but if the Bears end up with a good quarterback, it's their fault. Never forget that. <laughs> well, and your point with all this is as, as the Packers try to evaluate what to do with Aaron Rodgers, they, they know that this division is not going to be difficult to win yep. in the years ahead, no matter what's what's going on. I mean, yes – not having Rodgers brings the Packers back down to earth, but there's still some wins in this, in this division. So, you know, that's part of the calculus too. Exactly. You can do a lot of damage in this division with just a smart coach and halfway decent skill position players. That'll get you far. For sure. Yeah. All right. What's next? What's next on our rundown, Paul? All right. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about defense because um, we, uh, we have, we have some new people on defense. We have some old returning people on defense. So uh, the first thing I want to start with this. So um, secondary and pass rush, they, they, they kind of work in tandem. And two years ago, we had the Smiths come aboard and just dominate the league and, and put up like historically great hurry numbers and sack numbers. Um, but the secondary let the team down. And last year, aside from Kevin King, um, the secondary was actually very good. It was actually one of the best secondaries in the league, led by Jerry Alexander. But the pass rush just crashed and burned. Uh, and just to put some numbers to that, um, two years ago when they brought aboard the Smiths, Zedarius had 66 hurries and Preston had 35. Um, last year, Zedarius fell from 66 to 30 and Preston smelt, fell from 35 to 11. Um, and if you're wondering why the secondary looked worse than what I just said, that's a big part of it. They were just not getting pressure on quarterbacks and they had all the time in the world generally to get the ball out. Um, if these two things happen to match up this year, they have the potential to have like a top 10 or top five defense. But, you know, that pass rush has to come back and be a factor either with Zedarius and Preston or with Rashawn Gary taking the next step forward. So um, I, I guess first thing is, uh, any thoughts on the odds of, of that happening? And, and who are you most optimistic about actually rebounding? Um, I'll tell you, I, I don't uh, like Preston. I don't think I'm not big on Preston rallying too much. 
I think he had kind of a career year two years ago. But I think I think Zadarius, you might get that kind of season out, and then it's up to Gary to fill on the other side. Yeah, and, and I, I do feel pretty good about Rashawn Gary. All the all the reports on him seem to indicate that he is capable of, of filling in. The thing that worries me about Preston, and you may be more equipped to, to talk about this, but it seems to me that he, when he gets asked about his 2020 season, he still seems to think that that was less about him and more about scheme. And I guess I'm not even clear what he's saying, but coaches don't seem to necessarily agree with that. Now he's lost a bunch of weight. So yeah. he's, you know, and theoretically, I mean, the, the, I guess it's a double-edged short sword, sword in football. You never know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, but seems like that would make him a little bit more, you know, more mobile. It could, could elevate his pass rush game a little bit, but I, I, I don't know. Like, if a player isn't saying, wow, it was just a really bad year for me. Here are the things I've done to get myself better. Then, then I have to be a little worried that it's, is it going to replicate the same mistakes? Like, I, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Um, I, I, my big problem with Preston Smith is I do think it's legitimately a gripe that he has that he was forced into pass coverage too much. I think yeah, Mike Patton did a lot of overthinking things and we, we made fun of it a lot in the podcast last year when Preston would end up in single coverage with somebody that he had no business in single coverage on. It happened way too much. But I think it let him I think it let he let that get into his pass rush, the thing that he's supposed to be doing and good at. And I I just don't like that as a a place where your brain can be. And just to contrast with Zedarius, I really think Zedarius Smith's numbers were down last year because he was moved around a lot to compensate for some some run-stopping deficiencies when Kenny Clark was gone. He, he was moved inside a lot. He had other responsibilities. He dropped in coverage a fair amount, too. And he was very productive doing those things. And, yes, his pass rush fell off, but I think his pass rush fell off because he was just really, really occupied doing a number of chores on the defense that he's not really, you know, it, it's not his strong suit. Um, so uh, just a complete, con- like, I think Preston kind of slacked off but by having to be diversified in Zedarius uh, did a nice workman's job and actually did did what he was supposed to do. So I, I just don't like that as a, a sort of mental thing. So uh, Preston might come back because I think Joe Barry's pledged to not put him in coverage quite so much. And I do think if you just let him go out there and be a situational pass rusher and occasional run stopper, you might get a decent season out of Preston. But I also think he might pout and just go away completely especially if he does see Gary nipping at his heels. And that's my big worry with yeah. Preston and why I'm more inclined to give up on him because I think there might be a better player behind him anyway. Yeah, I think you, I think you might be right. I, I like, I like, I'd like to see Gary, you know, being, being more of the, of the featured guy. Um, I, I guess like, I guess I'm also still worried about that secondary with Kevin King in it, you know, like Eric Stokes seems like he's probably not, going to be a guy who starts right away or really you know i don't know for those who don't, don't follow camp right now eric eric stokes has just been routinely smoked in camp so far um i don't yeah. think he's i don't think he's had a good report come out of camp so far uh, other than that he is the fastest player on the team which you know great but if you get burned by guys all the time it's not that useful so uh, it's a problem because they brought kevin king back and he's cheap. He's on a one-year deal. Actually, I'm not, he's on a one-year with Void Years or something like that. But Kevin King sucks. We know what Kevin King is. He's he's the goat of their their game last year, and he's lost a lot of his athleticism. And there were so many better guys out there than him that they could have brought in for as much or less money. But the one I always say is Bashad Breland was a free agent. He was he, he was a Packer briefly and, and a pretty good one for like four games uh, a few years ago. 
he, I think he's on the Vikings. Um, I could be wrong about that. I should have looked it up. But um, he, he signed for less money, and he's definitely better than Kevin King. And there were a bunch of guys like that. So, um, so far, there is nobody to steal Kevin King's position from him. And if he, if he actually plays time again, like any significant time, I, I'm just going to be really ticked off at that. And Patrick Wisdom just hit a home run, so I'm annoyed and looking over at that. They're double ticked off, yeah. yes. Which, by <laughs> the way, I loved the uh, the Tailgate Podcast episode because I knew that that game that you guys were watching at that time, I knew it devolved into into a bad loss. So <laughs> I can't I was believe sort they of, lost like, it. Along. Goodness. I was sort of following along like, oh, man, they're going to be so mad in a few minutes when when that four-run lead turns into a 5-4 deficit. Yeah. I, uh, I did. I did enjoy that aspect as well. Yeah, we, you can tell who the professionals are, you know, and like people like me then who are just like totally f- losing focus, <laughs> caring about baseball. That sort of yes, we recorded the 200th episode of the tailgate during Adrian Hauser's Dave Bush, Bush style no hitter, which yes. um, as soon as I alerted everybody to, he lost the no hitter, and like 30 seconds later, he lost. They lost the lead. So uh, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was not a good time. Not a good time was had by all. Uh, anyway, there are not outside corners to, to really challenge King of of the highly drafted nature. Like, Stokes is supposed to take that position, but he doesn't look like he can. They also drafted Shamar John Charles, and I probably said that wrong. My French is only okay. Um, Possible slot corner there. He is a slot corner. He is very small, and I think he's good. I actually really like that draft pick. He is a he is a tenacious um, – Good. he's going to be a fan favorite. He is. He brings attitude. He plays bigger than he is, but he is not big. Um, and beside that, it's kind of our retreads. It's it's uh, Kadar Holman and KVN Ento, and um, there's not a lot of guys there to step up and challenge Kevin King. If there was, they would have done it by now. So it's worrying. Uh, like, Jair's awesome, and uh, they just need somebody opposite him that's not terrible to have the defense be good. But right now, they don't have that. They have t- they have a terrible guy. So I'm, I agree with you. I'm also very worried about that. I wish he was not on the team. I hope he doesn't make the team. I hope he's a surprise cut. It, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, who's going to be in that spot? Innis Gaines? Yeah. Like, who who gets the, the, the job if King is Both. gone? Uh, I, I think they forced Stokes on there. Um, but I so I, I do I actually like Dar Holman more than almost everybody else in the world does, only because of this. He is an athletic freak, and in very, very small sample size last year, he put up very good advanced numbers. So... Uh, you should give that almost no credence because it was like 10, 10 passes or something like that. But uh, it, he is a developmental prospect in his third year, and that sometimes turns into something. So that worth noting, but but like uh, that hasn't happened yet. He's very far down the depth chart, and um, I don't know how this is going to go. I, I said in Acme Packing Company Slack, uh, and people were like, oh, he's cheap. He knows the system, whatever. Well, first, he doesn't know the system. They have a new system. <laughs> Mike Patton's gone. And secondly, right. I, 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 whenever you see this, whenever you see a team bring back a familiar guy who sucks, um, your response should always be, the bad thing about having him on your team is that you might have to play him. And, and that is what happened with Kevin King. He's on the team, and they might have to play him. So um, it's a it's a weakness. They should fix that. Gross. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers are discussing contract extensions with TJ Watt. And oh, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Ryan Ramchick has a new deal. <laughs> Guys that were drafted. That pick was before. so bad. Oh, so bad. I hated every day. So yep. bad at picking. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. That's that's pretty much cemented as a as a fail. Like yeah. there was a long time where I was holding out hope that it would only be like kind of bad. And not actually 
actually like devastating, but um, you know, we talked about this last year, Kevin King, it's not even necessarily a knock on him. The injuries are, have, like you said, they've sapped his athleticism. Yeah. He's not that good anymore because of the injuries. Again, not necessarily his fault, but the guy he's, he's not the guy they drafted even. He's not that player anymore. He's, he's not, not good. He used to have some uses. He used to be a good vertical presence around the goal line. He used to at least have good straight line speed, even if he was never that. I mean, he was shifty at the combine, but uh, just tall guys like that, the knees go after a while, and that shiftiness goes pretty quickly. It's the, the Corey Hart phenomenon, if you want to go to a Brewer reference. Oh, man. Serving beers at American Family Field on this last home stand, Corey Hart. <laughs> Hard to miss him. So, I, I, Yeah, I didn't mean that as a slam. Yeah. I love the guy. I'm glad he was back. But, like, yeah, it's, it was what it was. Yeah, but, but King just doesn't have – that anymore like he's a, he's a couple steps away from being ladarius gunter and that's no good so um the the, the it, by the way if anybody ever needs a laugh go look at ladarius gunter's um ras card from math bomb on twitter it is it is the lowest ras card i think i've ever seen it is i believe 0.97 that's 0.97 he uh he was the slowest least shifty least explosive cornerback in that class in like for 10 years so all right uh, should we make fun of Houston, Houston for a bit? Yes, the Houston Texans without J.J. Watt uh, taking on the Packers here. Without it's be a new look. Yeah, without like anything. Um, yeah. So Houston oh, went bad. Houston went four and twelve last year, and uh, you may recall just a quick recap. They had Bill O'Brien, I think, to start the season, and then he traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Is that what got him fired? Um, what? Uh, anyway, uh, in the last two years or so, the the Texans have lost J.J. Watt traded DeAndre Hopkins for a running back, um, l- l- fired their coach and GM, and uh, their star quarterback, who is legitimately one of the best quarterbacks in the league, is apparently a serial abuser um, and sexual assaulter of masseuses and will likely never play in the NFL again, although that th- those are still being investigated and he's not on yeah. the list or anything yet. But Deshaun Watson is likely over as a quarterback in the NFL, and they don't really have anything behind him. So... Um, f- funny thing about them not having anything behind him. Um, quick, quick Houston fun fact: uh, the Jordan Love pick actually came from Houston. Um, it uh, it was acquired by Houston. Or the the Packers got it from Miami after Miami got it from Houston for Laramie Tunsil. And it's extra funny because the 49ers picked Trey Lance with a pick that also was in that trade, um, part of the Larry Laramie Tunsil trade from Houston to Miami. So they could have had either of them had they just held on to their draft picks. Um, that they traded away for running backs and other nonsense because that's how Houston rolls. Um, and, and they're just all would have thought that when Laramie Tunsil was drafted, who would have thought that the team that drafted that the, that Miami would end up getting the better end of that? Because, you know, with the, the revelations on draft night with, with the photo of him in the, in the smoking mask, yep. if anyone, I'm sure everyone remembers <laughs> that like, wow, th- this could be a real disaster. Nope. Not for Miami. It wasn't, that was an okay pick that it was. Uh, but Houston's been atrocious for a while, and just they used to have so much talent, and they used to have like a top five quarterback, like the best receiver, the best defensive lineman, um, and they've pissed it all away, and they're just an awful shell of themselves, and probably won't rebuild very quickly. So, um, they also just gave us Randall Cobb for nothing, which was nice of them. Yes, I applaud like them. One dollar. Yeah. Or was that the Brewers with Axford? It was. I a, don't know. It doesn't it was matter. They were both one dollar. It was a sixth round draft pick, so nobody cares. Um, but, uh, I, my problem with this preseason game is I'm not sure how much we're going to learn because it's like playing the pirates. Like, you know, it's, 
they're so bad that you're like competing against kind of a college team when you're when you're down to their second and third string, which they will be. Like their starter is Tyrod Taylor right now, but he's probably mm-hmm. not going to play big minutes because he's their starting quarterback if Deshaun Watson doesn't play. And so it's going to be Jeff Driscoll, and oh, they drafted some shitty quarterback too. I did not know Jeff Driscoll was on Houston. Now that's yeah, that's former, news to me. Former Lion stalwart Jeff Driscoll. So, <laughs> so like, all right. So, so what are we gonna? What's even the point of watching this game? There's got to be something. I mean, if they don't roll them, I guess it's a bad sign for their depth. <laughs> there's there's that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess things you want to keep an eye on are just like down roster stuff a little bit like that. Um, I'll be interested to see if Kylan Hill is good. I think he is. He's their seventh round running back. He fell in the draft because he got in a fight with Mike Leach and quit foot, uh, quit college football early. But in my opinion, that should have moved him up draft charts, not down, because Mike Leach is an <laughs> asshole. Um, but in terms of his athletic testing and his scouting, he should have been the third running back off the board. So um, uh, this is one of those things where you know uh, we uh, I have always liked Aaron Jones, and I've always loved that they got him late in the draft, um, where, which is where you should get running backs. And, you know, I was not as big on A.J. Dillon because they drafted him high. And, well, he looks like he's probably going to be pretty good. He had a good season last year. I think Kylan Hill's got a chance to be better than all of them. I might be saying his name wrong, too. But um, <laughs> I look forward to No, no, I think you got it right. Is it? Okay. I look forward to finding out how to pronounce it at the game. So um, if Kylan Hill ends up being the best of those three, like a year and a half from now, don't be that surprised. Yeah, that's the kind of talent that you're dealing with there. So I'm looking forward to that. And I do like Juwan Winfrey quite a bit, too, at wide receiver. And... Uh, I, don't be surprised if a weird receiver makes the team either, just because, you know, the, everybody other than Devante has a lot of warts. I mean, it's not like MBS won't make it. He will. And I think Lazard's probably shooing too. But after that, I think it's kind of anybody's game. And so um, I, I look forward to seeing him. Um, uh, Amari Rogers will, okay, we'll make it too. So um, since he's a fairly high draft pick. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and everybody's loving on him. You think Reggie Bagleton is going to make this team, Paul? I, d- I don't. I don't think Reggie Bagleton will make it. Um, he's a, he's a nice story, but he is a he is a quadruple A player if ever I've seen one. He, he'll be practice. <laughs> he'll be on the practice squad for as long as he's eligible, which I don't think is much longer. And uh, uh, th- there's too many guys in front of him. It's it's uh yeah. I mean, if he has a great camp, you never know. But um, I don't think Equiminius is going to make it. I think that he's probably going to be a casualty. Yeah, I saw that his younger brother, Amon Ra, St. Brown, was looking really, really good yeah, in, in uh, camp. So uh, so that's a bummer because uh, obviously that's one of the guys the, the Packers could have gotten. But, you know, if Amari Rodgers pans out, then they got they got what they wanted yep. from the receiving core of this draft. And Amari Rodgers has a, a really nice pedigree, too. He basically grew up he, he, he in high school. He had um, his dad's T. Martin, who's a former Tennessee quarterback who won the right. national championship after Peyton Manning left. Um, he, he's worked with Randall Cobb before. Um, they they just know each other because of T. Martin, and he played with Dabo Swinney, who's actually a good receivers coach, even though he's kind of a jag at everything else. So um, I, I I think he comes to the team with sort of advanced soft skills. Um, he has a weird athletic profile. It's very Randall Cobb, by the way. They're um, they're very similar, in, even though Amari Rogers is much larger um, than Randall Cobb is. They have kind of the same straight line speed, good at bench press. Not really that shifty for slot guys, kind of a weird profile, but uh, I will I will look for him to break off deep pretty often and get himself on a linebacker and be the kind of slot guy that can do a lot of damage down the middle. So I look forward to that. Uh, I, we should mention a few, um, few things on uh, uh, esoteric things about the defense, especially the inside linebacker position, which is... The position we always say we don't care about, but, ah, oh, geez, they like to make you care about it. So, first of all, Chris Barnes, 
had a, had a halfway decent season last year, but he was small. He got run over a lot. Um, he was fast. He was okay in coverage. He, he came into camp 10 pounds lighter. So he's a 230-pound inside linebacker now. And uh, I mean, usually weight loss is like, you know, best shape of your life kind of thing, but that seems bad. Why would you do that? Um, if you're Chris Barnes, you should add weight. Now, like Ty Summers' big problem, and Ty Summers sucks, is always that he bounces off guys. And now you got two of them. Like, I, that's no good. And Kamal Martin, um, who also played pretty good last year in small sample size when he wasn't hurt, um, is down on the depth chart, has not had a good camp, and they actually tried him at outside linebacker a few times, which is also not great. So the starting inside linebackers right now are Barnes, who, again, is tiny, and Devondre Campbell, who came over from the Falcons and is not historically a good player. He's had a good camp purportedly, but I think shining in the Packer inside linebacker core is just kind of showing up and not falling all over yourself so i'm gonna watch that position too just to see if anybody sticks out maybe chris barnes will be awesome at 230 but um i'm i'm always curious about that position to see if anybody looks halfway decent because it, it is a weakness for them pretty often and like this is a, a, a sabermetric thing i disagree with uh, where the, the the thing on inside linebackers is they're not that important uh, if anybody signs one to any kind of money um, the PFF guys will be all over them instantly. Like, oh, that was a stupid deal. Uh, ben Baldwin will too. Here's the thing. Like, we just lost in an NFC Championship game where the biggest play was Devin White destroying Aaron Jones over the middle and causing a fumble. And, and like, Tampa's whole strength of defense was those two, those two guys. And the Bears have a great inside linebacker. And he didn't play against us last year, if memory serves, or was hurt when he did. But, like, cl- teams clearly value elite play there a lot more than nerds do. So, um the Packers have been burned by having bad players there and been burned by other teams with good players there on multiple occasions. So um, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that position this year to see how much it actually matters. Yeah. And for me, I'm a, I'm a interested in the offensive line. I mean, obviously Jordan love is like storyline one, two, and three, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, just because they've, they've tinkered with this a little bit, it, you know, we don't still know Bakhtiari's availability for the early part of the season. So Elton Jenkins is, he's probably going to play tackle, but you know, obviously they, they could still use him at guard. They could use him anywhere. And Ben Braden has gotten a lot of run in this, in this preseason. He so or, or this camp, I mean, that, that would be, he's a massive dude. Um, I, I, that would obviously be a surprise, but you know, that that's a guy that that's a guy that I think you have to have on your radar at this point, Josh yep. Myers being a rookie starting at center. I mean, that looks like a pretty much a done deal. So uh, curious to see, curious to see how he does obviously. And, and, you know, he's still got, he's still got like Lucas Patrick and Billy Turner. There's, there's, plenty of veterans coming back there you know I, I like john runyon in a little bit we saw him last year i'd love yeah. to know where he winds up if he's is he a starting guard you know he, he might be if elton jenkins is outside i guess like um yeah i guess that would be i think possibility there yep i think where elton jenkins is ultimately tells you a lot about how other guys have done in camp and so it'll be interesting just yeah. to see if they do keep him at a specific spot if he actually plays much at all um, or if they move him around a little bit too, because that'll be a signal that they're uncertain about a few other positions still too. So, um, although I'm not sure Elton's going to play too much because he's right. probably, I mean, he's definitely the most important lineman that's not Bakhtiari and, you know, one of the most important offensive players and you can't afford to lose yeah. that guy. Yeah, that's true. We may not see him at all yeah. actually in game one. I, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do there. Okay. Let's get to these questions. We got a, we got a good one to kick off our Patreon. Do we, do we though? We do. It's your broham. Your brother Danny Noonan is now a Patreon member. He's got a question. I love it. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate the cash. <laughs> he he wants to point out he is Patreon member here. That's that's how he starts. <laughs> Patreon member here. 
After seeing the Bucks and other Brewers having a lot of success, at least partially fueled by being cool and likable, do you think it's possible Aaron Rodgers may try, may try being cool and likable just to see how it works? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a great, you go, I like it. I like I, it. I like I it. And it, the problem, it's trolly. It is trolly. It's a good Aaron Rodgers question. The problem with Aaron Rodgers is that he thinks he is cool. So um, he thinks he's halfway there already. And I don't think he cares about being likable, so um, it's something he probably should try. <laughs> um, even if it's just having better PR and people you know, telling him what to say to cool people down. But uh, I, I don't think it's in his nature. I think he likes to have people talking about him. He likes good attention and bad attention. He's like a four-year-old. And uh, it's, uh, so he, since he already thinks he's cool and he talks about s- pseudo-cool things like his love of The Office and Princess Bride and you know things other millennials with netflix do all the time um this is just what you get so i I would love to see aaron change his personality a little bit because i think he's kind of a bad dude but not gonna happen he is what he is and and we've talked about that before like this i I like to think we would have pointed this out or said this even before he had the conflict with the packers that he is this is who he is we kind of all know that i there's still like i don't know am i crazy there's still a little bit of charm there too like i like the pop culture references i like the fact that he seems to have a photographic memory i like the fact that he seems to kind of do everything with a smirk and a a wink and a smile he doesn't take it all he does take it seriously but also he doesn't take it all too seriously he's such a weird dude (laughs) paul like i i I find myself like obviously i'm turned off by a lot of it but i also am like yeah but i kind of am glad that he has a little bit of leverage he should he has agency he's an amazing player he's led them to all the success and he's, he's kind of fun sometimes I don't know. It's it's very conflicting. I've got two minds of the guy, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I'll be sorry to see him go. Like I, part of me will be sorry to see him go. He's 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 a fun time. Yeah. In my opinion. I always I always go back to that Mina Kimes interview he did a couple of years ago, where she got to go into his house, and I listened to it like three times now. And the first time, I had your reaction to Aaron Rodgers on that, which is he is kind of playful, a little mysterious, and. Yeah. Um, you know that there's maybe a lot there's more going on than he's letting out and um, is, is just very guarded about some things and then I listened to it again and I, I, I completely flipped on it which is that he was mostly just spewing platitudes and um, hmm. and it wasn't that he was necessarily being guarded it's that he didn't have that much to say so I don't know um, I, hmm. uh, he's definitely a charismatic guy that's the thing like he definitely is that um, and like when he used to do Wildy show all the time, where he is Pat McAfee's now, right? Or did um, he's like engaging, and it's like appointment viewing for a lot of people. But whenever I go back and listen again, there's no content in it ever. <laughs> yeah. um, well, so. that's the politician in him too. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of elite athletes and coaches have that have that ability to be engaging without actually saying anything of substance. They do. It is a t- it is a talent. It's it's a good one to have if you got it. It'll take mm-hmm. you far. Yeah, PJ Wessels asks, week one of the preseason, anything important to look for in the first game? We did just talk about some of that, but his question more specifically, is Cobb going to get a chance to cook his former team? I don't think he'll play very much. I, I think yeah, gonna, I don't either. I think they're going to hold the starters out. He, may, he might get like a, a series, but he's he's definitely still learning the playbook. This is all new to him. Um, and so if he gets a little run, it'll be on design stuff just to get him a feel for things. But he's not going to get a chance to actually do damage against his former team. Maybe they'll, they'll deal up some like one deep shot or something like that. So I want to leave the possibility for that out there just for funsies, but uh, <laughs> you know, they don't want Randall getting hurt. So uh, I, right. I suspect 
that uh if this were yeah. if we knew aaron Rodgers was quarterbacking i'd say absolutely they'd try something like that <laughs> yep. it would not be aaron Rodgers. Uh, i i think they're just going to be focused on like actually trying to get jordan love up to speed as an nfl quarterback <laughs> when they start worrying about settling scores and whatnot uh pj wessels asks is there anything important oh sorry that was the one we just read alex okay. lamers asks it's been six years since the packers had a top 10 defense by dvoa and 10 years for special teams. Yep. What are the chances either of those units makes the leap this year? And which one would you expect to show the most improvement or least regression if you're a pessimist? <laughs> I, I, I am I am all in on Mo Drayton, and I really think special teams is going to be yep, different. I like Mo I mean, too. Maybe, maybe I'm a sucker. I don't know. But the guy, wow. I love listening to the guy talk. Yeah, I, I, I think Mo Drayton is a, a good coach and exactly the kind of coach you need for special teams. Um, it's a tough coach. It's a tough job to be really strategic on it really is a rah-rah job because you have guys shuffling in and out all the time there's not a huge opportunity to learn like special teams there's not plays there's i mean there's a few but it's mostly just gap responsibility it's military discipline and effort like that's what makes good special teams a good special teams player my only my only problem with special teams is um mason was so good last year in his very limited opportunity to be good like he didn't kick many field goals but he made all of them um and i i still think their punting game isn't great no matter what. I mean, maybe they'll turn that around. It's possible. Um, but I think their coverage will be way better. So I do think their special teams will take a step forward, even if Mason misses, you know, three three kicks this year. That's fine. But I do think the defense will be better. If I had to wager, I think that they will improve over last year. Somebody will, will get in for King and make that secondary actually really dominant. Um, it doesn't have to be a good player over there. It's just got to be an okay player. And I do think the pass rush will rally back enough um, to, to make this into an actual force on defense. So I, I'm a little skeptical because Joe Barry is not, a, he does not have a good track record. Um, but I think just to, you'll get some, some bounces from some regression from some guys who played bad last year. And I think that'll be enough to, to get him at least in the, the upper half of the league. And I, I think they will be a top 10 defense this year. Yeah, we, you know, you can't ever count on health, but Kenny Clark, did miss some time last year if he manages to you know in, in his absolute prime manages to have a full season yeah uh, that, a little worried about him too he's got a groin already which is what he had last year that right. that robbed him of effectiveness early on so uh it's yeah. not i got no sure things on defense and um but i think that they're the I, i'm i'm cautiously optimistic that they'll actually put this together this year jay google the helen thomas of the milwaukee's tailgate <laughs> podcast asks <laughs> what are the key competitions we should be watching the next couple of weeks? Is it the cornerback to see who plays opposite Jair Alexander yeah. and who plays at nickel corner? I'm going to meld that into his, his next question, which is also about Alexander. Wouldn't it be smart for the Packers to just put Alexander on an Island like the Jets did with Daryl Regis? So you would think that that might be a good idea. And in certain instances it might be, but you should know Jair is actually a better zone corner than a man corner. Um, he, uh, when you, Doug Farrar does a nice job breaking this down every year, his best man and best zone corners. And it's not that Jair's bad in man, he is not, but he is dominant as a zone guy. So um, that's why they don't always, that's why they don't just have him do the Revis Island thing. He's a different kind of player. Um, you know, not that he can't stick with guys, but that is his bread and butter. So um, it's a, it's a good idea in some cases, if the other team only has one guy and not much else going on there. Um, you, you know, you don't want a guy getting matched up on Kevin King. That's no good. But uh, he is at his best when he can work a little bit in space, close on guys, and um, but play play the zone game. So that's uh, that's where he excels. And and yeah, you want to watch anybody who is threatening to take King's spot away. 
nickel corner is a good one. Um, Chandon has had a good camp. I think he will start there. But uh, I, I do think Shamar Jean-Charles will eventually wind up in that spot. Um, I, I think he is a good prospect. I like him a lot. Uh, my son is down here watching this Brewers game silently with me. He knows I'm doing a <laughs> podcast. And uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. just tied the game, so he's doing a little dance, giving Ooh. me a silent high five. Uh, a ball that was dropped straight up, pretty much like the Avisel Garcia play from a few nights ago. So, all right. Uh, so much, so much baseball. I'm sorry. Uh, Alan, <laughs> we're on to Twitter questions now. Alan Habel, 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 I think. Uh, what, in your opinion, do you think it would take for our favorite putts and our favorite franchise to come to reconcile and play through his <laughs> career end? Or do we even want that? This is back to we can't get inside Aaron Rodgers' head, actually. And yeah can't know for sure what he wants. And until we know that, I don't know. I don't know if we can say what would the Packers be willing to do it. We still don't know what he wants. Yeah, I, and I do think it would take a legitimate uh, either moving on from Love or moving on from Mark, Mark Murphy and maybe Goodigans as well or both so a lot a lot of stuff that's not going to happen yeah and, and by the way though we would want it to happen like as much as we've as much as i've complained about aaron Rodgers' personality on this podcast and generally speaking he's still excellent and i would still like to have him on the team for as long as possible like i'm not in a hurry to get the jordan love and you know the best chance to win championships is with rogers until rogers is too old to play so um you know yeah. if it happened i would be cheering it on it's just i don't think it will yeah, I gotta get this boy to bed. So we're gonna rapid fire this as best Let's we do can. It. Uh, <laughs> do you think the offseason drama affects how the team performs? Or to put it another way, by the way, this question is from Jerry, Jerry. Eldred. Is there any way this season is not incredibly annoying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there is not. No, there's no this, way. This will not be a, a topic chance. every game. This will be 15 minutes of coverage from from Joe Buck. Like, of course, there was the offseason drama with Rogers holding out, but he's back in camp now and doing his best. Although. Who knows what the future holds? That you'll get that every single game. It'll be super. here's our timeline. April 29th. Adam Schefter reports that Aaron Rodgers does not <laughs> want to come back. To I can camp. see the graphics right now up on the screen. Yes, it is April 29th, by the way, a day I've committed to memory for a number of bad Wisconsin sports <laughs> reasons. Uh, James, our buddy James, asks, "How much does not having a fourth preseason game screw up the evaluation of Love before they presumably need to make a decision on him before next season, whether determining he's the guy going forward or they need to target another quarterback?" etc i don't think four is as i mean he's gonna play in all three so like i don't think it's that big a deal personally it's not a huge deal but uh it, it's it's not nothing because the sample size on on chances to see him play in against live so competition small. are so small taking 25 percent of them away is not is not insignificant so it's not a huge right. deal but you certainly would rather have it so yeah neil Olson asks why haven't they figured out how to stop all these soft tissue injuries in camp <laughs> SNC staff really doesn't seem to have a good grasp of preparing the team for football. Is he trolling with this question? He's not, actually. Archon actually jumped in on Twitter and answered this one, and I gave him the same answer, which is when guys come in from the offseason work, you see these soft tissue injuries. This is a reflection of what they do in the offseason. team does not yeah. have control over them. It can assign things out, but it can't enforce them. It has no teeth to enforce offseason programs, and guys come in, and they're not always in the greatest shape, and that's when these things pop up a lot of the time. So... There's nothing you can do. This is a reflection on the player, not the coaching staff. And by the way, I have um, if you look at Football Outsiders Just a Game's Lost, the Packers are not especially snake bitten by injuries. They're really just not. They're they're middle of the road last year. They were fifteenth. Um, and if you if you remove games they lost due to COVID, they were actually one of the ten healthiest teams in the league. So um, yeah. Every team has soft tissue injuries. It happens, and it's not on the coaching staff for early season especially. Jonathan Deal asks, if you were Russ Ball, would you resign after this season or would you resign after the season to avoid the hell 
that the 2022 cap presents. Are you kidding? Russ Ball is like gearing up for this. He is like, he's got his beanie on and he is ready for the show. Man. He absolutely is. In fact, I do wonder if Ted Thompson like held Russ Ball back a little bit. Uh, they, they never got in cap trouble because they never signed free agents. Now, now Russ has to do some magic. I, I do think he's probably getting super geared up for this. I would run screaming from this, by the way. They're in terrible... <laughs> Terrible cap shape. They're like fifty million over for next year before they even extend Adams or anything like that. It sounds awful. I, I don't know how that's going to work out, but Russ, I'm sure is he's got party hats and champagne ready to go. I have learned to trust Russ Ball's abilities. You know, maybe I maybe I don't always love the moves or the signings, but like that guy's a genius. And if if it can't if they if they can't do it next year, I don't think it can be done. I would trust that Russ Ball is the only guy who can pull this off, or yeah. at least the best guy. So. uh just, just keep that in mind, Packers fans. It might not be doable. <laughs> in I Russ, we know. trust. Jeffrey asks, does Jordan Love win more, fewer, or equal rings to Aaron Rodgers in his career? <laughs> Personally, he's going over by five uh, because Jordan Love apparently is going to be converted to receiver because that's the only way that's going to happen. <laughs> I'll take the under. He's just – if he hits his ceiling, I mean, he's not going to go over by five, but he might he, – there's a chance he could outdo Rodgers, but I think it's much more likely that this is not going to work. So I'll, I'll take the under, unfortunately. Yeah, there have been a few quarterbacks recently that have won that, uh, you know, you scratch your head. It's like, well, they didn't win because of the quarterback. Yeah. So there's always randomness. You you can never rule out randomness. But, you know, most of the Super Bowls are won by Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you know, the guys the guys yeah. who uh, who are truly elite superstars. So. Exactly. Mark Podscarby. Did I say that right? Mark, you, Mark Podscarby. What is a fair expectation for Jordan Love? What are you looking at for him? Um, I want to see him throw um routine balls better just uh, things on time on target i want his footwork was messy at family night he was i think thinking too much about what he was supposed to be doing step by step by step and he was very very tight too upright um and tapping the ball not getting things out on time i want to see him look more natural throwing on set plays like i i actually have a good amount of faith that jordan love can make stuff happen outside of structure like he's he definitely looked, he looked good on the move like that's not a problem i just want to see him actually um, throw the the easy balls like I want to see him hit Tanyan for 40 uh, reliably so that's that's yeah. what I'm looking for Shark McCarthy asks my only question is when are you going to start recording episodes more consistently right now although uh, maybe not, absolutely maybe not next week because I'm on vacation for part of it but we'll see but but still sure. but still soon right now the, uh, the football season starts we'll, we'll, we will have our regular cadence back shortly so um, no, nothing to worry about there Shark Yes, we got to get Matub in here, of course. Yes. Uh, his family has expanded since the last round of reporting is eligible. So uh, as, as a father of two, might be a little more challenging than before, but we'll, we'll make it work. we got to have him on here to talk about, I don't know, Madden or what is it? That he Madden comes about. out next week, so I assume he won't miss it for the world. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's a good thing we're not Sigh. recording next week. I would be missing <laughs> it otherwise. And lastly, David, sick of winning is his uh, handle. Any guesses on the identities of the 11 players who hate America? It's not a big secret. Just look for the guys who are still wearing masks. I mean, it's not like you can hide. It's easy to tell who, who is not vaccinated, and it's mostly a, among the receivers, running backs, and defensive line. So it's pretty easy to see that for the most part. Um, so those are your guys. Those are your guys to watch out for, um, and uh, hopefully they will not cost the team any games. I will. I will now cross over a little bit into the political sphere here, but it, it is so disappointing to me to see athletes who do this. There, there are a number of of groups in america that that are not getting vaccinated that, that, that there aren't obvious it's not obvious reasons and, and there's a, it's a little more nuanced than you'd think and so i always try to keep that in mind but pro athletes are in a privileged class they have access to all the health care they need 
they are they are able to set an example for people. They're able to go out there and show people, look, th this is the right thing to do. And it's why I have no tolerance for a guy like Kirk Cousins and, and why yep. really for any pro athlete to not get vaccinated is such a missed opportunity to send that message. And, you know, it, it's per it's not a personal decision. I've said this on Twitter, too. It's not a personal decision. It it's affects not. everybody. It, it absolutely is not a personal decision. It, it affects the people you're surrounded by that you can get them sick. And even if you don't believe that, it still complicates your team, your teammates and your team. It, it, you are an obstruction to success. And, you know, that's not how I look at it. There's a bigger picture than that. But if you don't want to look at the bigger picture, you are an obstruction to your team's success by not getting vaccinated, by doing this very easy thing that actually helps you. I don't get it. And, you know, I don't have tolerance for it. It's very frustrating. Yep. The worst one was Montez Sweat, who plays for the Washington football team who had access to the actual creator of the Moderna vaccine to ask any question he wanted, to have an explanation from the person on how it worked, why it was safe, how it functions. And after the interview said he still wasn't going to get it and he still wanted to get answers about how the vaccine worked. So, I it's mean, it's incredible. It, you the just, more information crowd. Come on. Yeah. Um, just just trash. So, um, yes, go out and get yourself vaccinated if you haven't already and have the opportunity to do so. It is the only way we get back to anything like normal. And uh, if you haven't already, just what are you doing? Um, I, I will happily I will happily explain how mRNA vaccines to you if you need it explained to you, because I have a good understanding of it. So do that. But anyway, um, that is for another podcast. That is for another podcast. So it is. Uh, right, yep. Let's let's wrap this up. Um, uh, I know you got to get a kid to bed. Any plugs? You got anything? You're curling? Nope. Uh, let's see. What did I do this week? <laughs> um, I did did write a story about an 81 year old guy uh, by the name of Joe Zick. He lives in Milwaukee. He plays baseball in a 62 and over league in franklin he is 81 years old again that's hardball that's not softball he's a pitcher left-handed pitcher does uh, really a great guy i really enjoyed talking to him I have a little video of him uh some cool photos that we that we got so uh um so so that's a story that i posted uh that's that's posted early in the week and you can find that at jsonline.com that's not subscriber only so you can oh, nice. you can access it okay and uh yeah, I mean, I wrote about Giannis at State Fair. The usual, you know, shenanigans from from me. The uh, the funny stuff. Uh, obviously, there was a lot with the Bucks, the Bucks championship, and uh, finally, kind of off of Bucks now, and then moving on to other things like the Green Bay Packers. Indeed. So, uh, so let's go, giddy up! All right, uh, and uh, I did the 200th episode of the Milwaukee's Tailgate Podcast, which you can get wherever you get your podcasts. It's about the Brewers. Um, this is part of that network. I also wrote um, for Acme Packing Company this week on the Family Night performance of. Jordan Love with gifts and breakdowns of his footwork and his easy throws and his hard throws and all that jazz. So go check that out. Um, and uh, thank you for joining us. We will be back shortly with another episode as the Packer season gets closer. 